0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Thank you for coming to the conference. I do appreciate being with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 8. The book of Job, chapter 8. Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Okay. (laughs) There is a divine element at work that the ancients called destiny. There are a number of related words that uh, are linked to or carry forth that idea or, or linked to that predestination for nation. And we do know and realize that can be overemphasized, that can be twisted, it can be uh, misunderstood. But there is a tremendous encouragement in the understanding of this element of destiny. I was so interested. Brother Camel and I did not converse together, but he uh, uh, launched off exactly on the stream that I'm on. I asked specifically that this choir would sing this uh, a tremendous song because it so moved me when they sang it that it, it, uh, it uh, moves along with the message that I'm preaching tonight. And to understand this, this means that you and I are not just left to wander loose in life, limited by our own uh, uh, failures, uh, by our own limitations, uh, by our own lack of understanding of eternal things. We're not limited to that, just caught up in the weakness of our own personality. But there's a divine element at work. And that divine element is the grace of God moving us to destiny. We have in the book of Job the story of a family. That family's caught up. In the currents of life, uh, unseen forces are ripping at the fabric of this man's soul. And yet, as he believed God and was faithful, it moved him to his destiny. I want to talk to you about destiny increase Job chapter 8, verse 5, beginning. If you would earnestly seek God and make supplication to the Almighty... If you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly or greatly. For inquire, please, of the former age and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For you were born yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are shadowed. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? Look with me for a moment this evening into the divine record. As we look into the divine record, we see very clearly that there is a purpose in God. And as we consider this for a moment, we look and see that creation bears the mark of divine Purpose In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God has a purpose. Can you say amen? Amen. And that purpose is at work though all may be darkness, though all may be chaos and we don't have time to go into that. God has a purpose. And that purpose uh, is moving towards uh, a divine uh, conclusion. We think about uh, creation. We stand on a planet, and this planet, uh, seems to me, it's moving through or twirling up, uh, at some 25,000 miles an hour. And yet, uh, this centrifugal force, which you and I both know as at work, uh, does not throw uh, the earth uh, and the uh, objects off the earth, but a recall gravity holds it to uh, the spinning ball that is a paradox uh, of creation, and we see pattern, we see balance, uh, we see design, uh, and we see timing. So as we begin to ponder this for a moment, uh, and the divine record, uh, we see that man is linked to destiny. Look at these words with me for a moment in verse 7. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will greatly increase or increase abundantly. Clearly we have here in these words a foretelling. We have in these words a purpose, and that purpose comes to a man, and that purpose is a personal purpose, that that purpose is moved by an unseen hand towards the conclusion that God himself uh, has ordained. Throughout the Bible, you'll find this is true. We see in Abraham and his descendants. I was pondering about this today, and I was thinking about this. Here's a man, uh, a, a boy that is born. His name is Ishmael out of the purpose of God, out of the divine plan. And yet God said, I will still uh, begin to work in his life uh, because he is a descendant of yours. And as Abraham said, Lord, oh Lord, that Ishmael Ishmael may live. And God said, he will, uh, uh, he will uh, uh, have a purpose. Uh, and 12 princes shall he beget. He's a little child. And yet God spoke and said, uh, 12 princes, he's going to beget. He said to Abraham, your seed is going to sojourn in another land for 400 years and then they're going to return to this land. Think about that for a moment as you're caught up and you're overwhelmed by Uh, your problems, and by your difficulties, and by your place, and by your ministry, and by your life. Think about that for a moment. Here's God, um, and the Bible says uh, that God has a purpose, and that purpose involves individual human beings, uh, and here he forecasts, uh, and foreordains, and predetermines uh, that uh, the descendants of Abraham are going to go into another land, and after 400 years, they're going to come back. We can't even think about 400 years. You hardly can remember what you did yesterday <laughs> so let 's define destiny for a moment. What does destiny mean? One author has said this is an outside invisible force at work um, to uh, uh, to proceed or to propel uh, and to alter events and elements that hinder. Uh, the moving of an individual and nations towards a predetermined end or destination. Though your beginning was small, in your latter end uh, you will greatly increase. The Latins call this uh, parquet. And we see this throughout the Bible. Here's a man, and this man's name is Balaam. You know who he is. He's a TV preacher. He's majoring in curses. And Balak comes down and hires Balaam and said, "Uh, you're pretty good at cursing. You know all about these curses. I want you to curse these people for me. And he does his very best. There's money in the truckloads of money. But the interesting thing is uh, that Balaam is confronting destiny. And here are the words uh, that he speaks among many others. uh, Numbers 23, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? God's not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man, that he should repent, uh, has he said, and will he not do it? Uh, Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Uh, For there's no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has wrought. Now think about this for a moment because we're talking about God's divine purpose and his purpose is linked to destiny and this is more than just some generic spiritual principle. It has individual links and concerns and this gives great confidence to the church and to individuals. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, God spoke to this man and said to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jesus spoke about the church of which you and I are a part, and as he spoke, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. Oh, thank God for that. Can you say amen? The church of Jesus Christ is the greatest miracle in time or eternity. We've seen currents. We've seen assaults. We've seen the strategy of hell. And have we not seen this play out in our lives? The church is the greatest miracle of all of human history. This verse of scripture in Job 8 verse 7, I looked in an old Bible I have because that verse of scripture was given to me by an evangelist who spoke to me and if I remember correctly it was 1968, 1968 were barren years, 1968 was not a happy time for me. 1968 was struggle, uncertainty, uh, lack of vision, lack of, pr- uh, lack of fruitfulness, a uh, uh, struggle, uh, and trying to decide uh, what ministry was all about. But in 1968, God spoke uh, through an evangelist uh, and said to me, this is what's going to happen in your life. Though your beginning was small, in your latter end you will greatly increase. Uh, what a wonderful encouragement. Can you say amen? Now, this brings me to the mistake that we make. The mistake we make is that we approach this uh, from a human level. We want to categorize this. We want to analyze this. We want to understand this. We want to formulate this. But as Pastor Campbell said so ably this evening, you cannot do that to destiny. There's a revival of Calvinism. It's even come into Pentecostal circles. uh, And uh, uh, this is a revival of uh, predestination, election, eternal security uh, that is uh, pushed to bizarre bizarre, uh, uh, directions uh, and is wrongly applied. But look with me for a moment in this text uh, and consider with me uh, that we do not want to tamper with destiny. As we look at this passage of scripture and we begin to ponder that, uh, we need to realize that God has a destiny for every single human being in this place. And that means uh, that if we're going to achieve that, we are going to have to understand the issues. Uh, many people, uh, uh, they sing, say, sarah sarah, But I want to tell you uh, that God has a destiny. Um, and uh, if you do not seek God, you'll never find that destiny. Many people want to temper that. They don't want to seek God. They don't want to inquire. They don't want to surrender to God's purpose. Uh, and they think they can still have uh, that destiny. They want to worship God and serve God in their own will. They want to set the agenda and say, God, I want you to bless my agenda. And essentially, what this letter is, is to dictate to God and to manipulate God into your own pleasure, into your own will. But I said, God has a destiny for you. We have Saul and the witch of Endor. You know the story, Saul has disobeyed God. He has gone astray. He's in a crisis of his life. Now he's going to go down to the witch of Endor and see if he can get some supernatural insight into what the future may hold for him. As we begin to ponder that, I want to tell you that there's no shortcuts to destiny. Neither is there any shortcut to discovering what that destiny is. This is what Saul he wanted. Do you want to take a shortcut and go down and have the witch of Ender tell him what uh, is, the, is the moral going to hold? One uh, author wrote very ably, he said, men are, are apprehensive to know their future destiny, which is, however, happily concealed from them. Or in other words, uh, there is uh, in God's economy a hidden dimension and that hidden dimension has to do with your destiny and mine uh, and we will never have it uh, without surrendering totally to God and saying, God, uh, your will be done. What do you want me uh, to do? There are people no doubt here that they have contemplated becoming preachers. They're becoming pastors. And I want to tell you, being moved to do a work for God is not the same as being called to an office of a pastor or a leader. To prophesy, to give a word of prophecy, a tongue or an interpretation... Is a dimension that God must anoint and bring forth. There are many people they want to be prophets, they want to be uh, 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 to uh, be seen, they want to be used, but being sp- eager to speak for God's not the same as having a pretty prophetic word or a tongue or an interpretation. If we are going to be what God wants us to do. We're going to have to be sensitive to God's will, speak God's word at God's time, do God's work in his own time frame, and surrender to God and say, God, here I am. What is your will and not tamper with our destiny? One of the first requisites of a pastor's office is people skills. Many people want to be pastors but they ignore the cultivation of people's skills. We're going to do a, we're going to do a counseling. Our, our, our butchers and surgeons were so successful last year that we're going to do a sequel. It won't be the same, but it'll be good. We want every pastor to come out to that. It'll, uh, uh, it'll uh, make your hair stand on end. <laughs> pastor Campbell said last year, this is better than a TV program. To be a pastor means that you're going to have to be able to attract men to yourself. You know, some people, they can attract women to themselves. but That's not the same as making disciples. Even if you have a destiny in God, the Bible has qualifications for ministry. Let me read these to you in 1 Timothy 3. through a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being uh, 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 puffed up with pride, he fall into the, the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those uh, who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Do you fit within this category if you have ambitions to minister for God? It means you have to keep your hand out of the till. Means you have to keep your pants zipped and not dump your wife and marry your secretary.
2: Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks. And we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple podcast application. Clint B writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia. Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine, the list goes on and on. Of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening. And back to the rest of the sermon.
1: It has financial responsibility, it has emotional. Qualifications. It means that you're going to have to have a balance it says temperate. You're going to have to be able to have a, a balanced life. And whatever life brings your way, you're going to have to be able to handle it. Uh, so to be able to set an example for and to minister into the lives of the precious people that God gives you. That means you're going to have to be able to handle tragedy. That means that you're... See, here's Job. I want to tell you, this is the story of a man. And as tragedy came his way, he said, The Lord give, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I'm still going to believe. I believe. Can you say amen? Everything's taken from him. He's stripped of the wealth that he has. Disease comes his way. Uh, but he says uh, these words, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Uh, here's a man that has set an example uh, and these same precepts are put in the New Testament for you and I, financial, emotional, relational. You can't control your temper. Um, if uh, you can't uh, live a balanced and show a balanced life that you can help people through their problems, uh, then you have disqualified yourself for ministry and a leadership uh, role. That means you remain within the calling that God has given you. We have Uzziah. The Bible says King Uzziah wasn't happy to be a king. He wanted to enter into another dimension. And the Bible says as he did that, uh, he stepped across the threshold uh, and he was smitten uh, by leprosy. uh, And uh, he was smitten because he was not happy to be what God wanted him to be. Uh, And this evening as we're in this place... uh, we're talking about destiny don't tamper with your destiny. How eager is the man to go whom God never sent? how halt, hesitant, and slow the chosen instrument both of those are the arena of the conflict and here faith is fought out in this arena. This is the fight is those who are called to go those who are not called do not try to manipulate uh, God. I want to read a little, take the time, if you'll bear with me, a little bit of Rudyard Kipling. I love this man. He has such tremendous insight into human nature and into divine things. Uh, bear with me as I read this. It's called If. If you can keep your head when all abouts you, are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, uh, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good uh, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear the ear to the truth you've spoken, Twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn. Long after they're gone. And so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, Yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. May I add that there's where your destiny is hammered out. Let me speak for a moment about the glorious end of destiny. Let's revisit for a moment this word. The basic idea of best destiny tonight is it is a supernatural dimension working towards a predetermined end. And in all of this is God. Oh, don't you feel God? I feel God tonight. I felt God from the opening song. I felt God from these... What tremendous testimonies tonight. Did you feel God when these men were talking? When Rodney Lambert... Did you feel God or just said... (laughs) When is this going to be over? We want to go to Coco's and eat. I feel God in this place. The Macquarie Dictionary, an Aussie dictionary, which gives some really keen little insights from time to time, uh, says destiny is the power or agency which determines the course of events. Every believer has a portion in God. And in the text that we read tonight, it says, in your latter end, you shall greatly increase. Now, of course, we understand that that means if you surrender to God and you fulfill your course because God is at work and what God is at work in planet Earth is increase. Lock your minds in that with me for a moment uh, as I move towards uh, the conclusion. Anything that God is involved in is going to grow and it's going to increase in its ultimate uh, purpose uh, because that has to do with the church and ministry in God's redemption. Listen to Paul in First Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, uh, but God... Uh, gives the increase. See, when we begin to talk about this and our minds are captivated on this, I'm going to speak somewhat on this on Friday evening, the Lord willing. We're dealing with seed. When you talk about destiny, you must understand that destiny comes in seed form. And when it comes in seed form... It has a potent imagery in, in, in Scripture because it carries within it a powerful spiritual force, and this life force comes from God, and it is for multiplication and is for increase. Someone said you can count uh, the number of seeds in an apple, but only God knows how many apples uh, are in a seed. That is the insight that we get tonight in spiritual destiny uh, and uh, this element uh, that we're dealing with. Whether we're dealing with Abraham's seed or whether we're dealing with uh, uh, the saving of souls, the principle is still the same. uh, And that principle is uh, that there is a destiny at work in every believer that will surrender to God uh, and that destiny is moving towards growth and increase uh, And multiplication. Jesus reaffirmed this uh, to the disciples. He said in John 15, uh, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and I ordained you that you would go forth and you bear fruit uh, and your fruit should remain. So here we have then this fantastic principle of God, and this principle is work. These words that we read in Job chapter eight are a man that the currents of life are ripping at the fabric of his soul. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his health. He's in danger of losing his his wife, and here he is, and the currents of life are ripping at his soul and these words are spoken though your beginning was small and your latter end uh, you will greatly greatly increase. Listen to the conclusion of this man's life. Job 42, 12 and 13. Now the Lord blessed uh, the latter days of Job more than the beginning for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 male uh, uh, donkeys uh, And uh, uh, he also had seven sons and three daughters. Uh, This is later. This is after he went through the process, uh, stuck to the course uh, and believed God, uh, though he slay me, uh, yet uh, will I trust him. Faith uh, is the element uh, that releases destiny faith energizes uh, vision. It energizes and releases vision within the human personality. um, And it does this in a spiritual dimension uh, and it releases the power of God inside of us that links up with uh, God's destiny for us uh, individually. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, And verse 20 says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we even ask or think according to the power that works in us. See, all I've said tonight is linked to believing God. That's what faith is. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is that powerful element that works within the human personality with all its limitations, uh, with all of its flaws, uh, with all of its weaknesses uh, and yet is able to believe God and say, God, you have uh, a purpose and a destiny. I'm going to see that fulfilled. I believe you, Lord. Can you say amen tonight? I believe you, Lord. Paul is in the midst of a uroclodon in the Mediterranean Sea. This is a Katrina-sized storm. This is the perfect storm. All hope that they would survive has been given up. This storm is so bad that sinners are Fasting. They're throwing out all the tackling of the ship. They're throwing out all the cargo. And in the midst of that, Paul has a visitation from God. And he rises and tells this crew of this ship and his companions, Sirs, I believe God. There's been no change in the storm. The waves are raging. The ship is rocking. It is terror stricken a time. And yet, Paul says in the midst of this, I believe God. Now I want you to ponder with me for a moment as I draw this conclusion and consider this. Was this just a foretelling? Or in other words, God speaks to Paul as he's down in the hold of the ship, and as He speaks to Paul, says, "Paul, uh, there's going to be any loss of any life on this ship. You're going to live, and you're going to uh, you're going to stand before Caesar." Was this just a foretelling, or is there an element that links into human faith? Uh, That God uses, as Ephesians 3.20 says, uh, according to the power that works in us, uh, that God has the destiny, uh, but he's waiting for somebody to believe him that propelled that ship to safety and brought Paul before Caesar. Was it just foretelling, or did Paul's faith rise, uh, link in with God's destiny uh, and secure that for him. I have a slip of paper here, a little post-it note. I wrote this little slip in March the 10th, 1996. I was preaching in Perth, West Australia in the Bible conference there. God spoke to my heart. These words and I wrote them down. Fruit in converts that we have not labored for as a direct result uh, of the blessing of God. You know, we as human beings, we got this all figured out. We've got a formula. We got a and, uh, but you know, God's going to have to move. Can you say amen? I wrote this down. Second, people brought to us uh, supernaturally by the Spirit's work Thirdly, resources from unexpected and unrelated sources. I wrote this down, and God stirred me to believe for those in my ministry, in the people I influence, in the church I pastor, March 10th, 1996. I can tell you that all those elements have been at work in those more than 10 years. I could tell you story after story of God powerfully working. You know, we... We, we, we fall naturally we're human beings we're calculators uh, can you say amen we're analyzers we're formulators uh, we want to get it down in a, in a piece of paper and figure it out and put a formula down but I want to tell you above everything that is involved God is at work uh, and God has the solution can you say amen and he will work oh thank God I feel God tonight thank God He will work, but he is waiting for man to believe. Faith uh, is what unlocks destiny, uh, leads you to dimensions that you have no idea that those were ever planned for your life. Begins to cause you to see elements uh, that will blow your mind. uh, Begin to see God working in divine favor. He can release resources. Uh, I'm not going to tell you all the wonderful things because you won't give the rest of the week. (laughs) Say, go ahead and pray then, Mitchell. You don't need us to give. (laughs) But God is at work. Can you say amen? amen? God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. Thank God. God is at work tonight. Destiny. Are you willing tonight, as you're sitting in this place, willing to accept the status quo? Are you willing to release tonight God's blessing in your life? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. No one moving around for the next several moments. There are people here unsaved in this building. Every head bowed, please. There's been a powerful presence of God. People here are not right with God. You're lost. See, I'm talking about a God who is real, a God who is at work, a God who saves, a God who heals, a God who delivers, a Savior who loves you and died on Calvary's tree that you could be forgiven, made clean. Right now, as we're pausing in the presence of the Lord, how many of you will say, Pastor, tonight my heart's not right with God.
0: Until next time, love God and love people.